Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if you don't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You could throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your bidding options feel endless and with baseball season right around the corner you already know there's going to be tons of opportunities picking who's going to win the world series to all-star game voting and so so much more best of all DraftKings is safe secure and reliable and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want all you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use our promo code THPN make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. The Devils once again find a way to get the dub even when they didn't play all particularly well. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, the host your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another thrilling edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having as fantastic of a day as I am wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day 
to check these episodes out. You know that I greatly appreciate we continue to build this podcast day in and day out. And it means the world to me how much support you guys give me. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. We are getting down to the nitty-gritty, ladies and gentlemen, of the NBA and NHL seasons. And also with Major League Baseball just around the corner from returning, DraftKings is continuing to give you guys really awesome opportunities to cash in on huge money prizes. So if you want to get a little extra cash in your pocket, go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code when you sign up, THPN, and don't forget to tell them that your boy, Neil Villapiano, sent you. Once again, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. And also, Devil's State of Mind Podcast is sponsored by Raycon. If you want to get the best quality earbuds at half the price of the top brands, here's what you do. You go to buyraycon.com. Right now, slash THPN to get 15% off your purchase. So make sure you get those earbuds because they are top quality, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you to both DraftKings and Raycon for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind podcast. I am just rolling out the uh, the guests over the last couple of episodes, guys. And this guy here is a good buddy of mine. A lot of you have probably seen him on Instagram. Really, really good dude, but he is a Devils fan at heart. We are excited to welcome on the host of the Puck Wave podcast, Mr. Steven. Steven, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Neil, I can't complain. I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, I appreciate the nice words. Given what part of instagram people know me from i'm a little afraid just because of you know the nature of the things that i post and the opinions that i have out there on you know the national hockey league Mm -hmm. but uh you know as you said our both our common ground is the new jersey devils and it's rare that i get to just talk about them so i'm looking forward to it with you and we are very much looking forward to hearing, you know, overall your opinions of all the topics we are going to discuss today. So let's jump right into it and let's talk about, uh, well, you guys are listening to this on Thursday, but Tuesday night's game in Columbus against Johnny Gaudreau and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, I got to be honest with you, Stephen, this felt like a trap game going into it, just considering how bad Columbus has been since the season began, how many injuries they've dealt with and everything like that. You you definitely felt like the Devils were primed for an upset, primed to get upset, even though this should have been a relatively easy game. What what were your kind of feelings? Were they similar to mine when going into this game? So I would agree with you. It did have big, you know, oh, it's Columbus on a Tuesday night, we're well rested, blah, blah, blah. But then pregame, they started going into this, you know, Bogvist versus Bogvist game. Right. And there was this, for the rest of his life, we're we're all going to hate Johnny Goudreau. So if it's in Columbus (laughs) or it's in Newark, we know that every game against him is going to be must-watch, and we obviously will want to beat him forever and ever. And Columbus is just so bad. And watching that last night, this isn't the team that we beat, what was it, 7-2 to two in seven October? To two, this yep. team is infinitely worse than that. That's true. But they play like a team that wants to beat good teams. 
as they even said on the broadcast, you know, how they beat, what was it, Toronto? 4-2. Yeah, they had a back-to-back prior to against us. They lost 3 nothing at home and then won 3-2, I believe, uh, in Toronto the following night. And the Devils, everybody that's listening to this knows the ebbs and flows of this team. It can be the highest of highs, and then it's just any given night. It can be, wow, we just got pumped 4-1, to and what was happening could have been much different than, you know, what did wind up happening. And there was a there was something that you mentioned that was also a good point. It was the battle of the Boquist brothers, Jesper Boquist against Adam. Adam did not play in the first game uh, against the Devils. He was dealing with an injury at the time, so this was uh, a really good opportunity for the Boquist brothers to go up against one another. But considering also how the Devils have, despite you know getting a, you know the the most of the points uh, since Jack Hughes is out, have not really looked good doing it you know they've been able to find ways to get points despite not playing well and so you were kind of hoping that this would be a game where the devils could take the opportunity against a really bad team take advantage of it and have a lot of success like we saw a month and change ago when the devils were taking on anaheim and beat them as soundly as they did um and it really didn't look like that from the get-go. Like right from puck drop, the Devils just looked flat. They looked very, as I describe it, very meh. You know, they they didn't, there wasn't an extra oomph. You know, it's, you know, we heard Lindy Ruff talk about, you know, he, he tried to send a message to this team that you can't take any of these teams lightly. And it still just didn't seem to work, at least early on. But despite the Devils getting off to a slow start, Yegor Sharangovich, who I couldn't even tell you the last time prior to last night that he scored a goal, got the game's first goal on a really just impressive job by that line of Sharangovich, Zetterlin, and Halla. Just some good passing, and then Sharangovich kind of snipes one past Merce Leakins and gives the Devils a 1-0 lead, getting his 12th of the year. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Steven got the early lead, but you could definitely tell from the start that the Devils were just not ready to play this game. This was absolutely a holy shit. I'm in Columbus, Ohio on a Tuesday night on Valentine's Day. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. As soon as this finishes up, like no matter what way it ends, I just do not want to be here right now. And that's how they played for, I don't know. You could realistically say 58 and a half minutes last night. Pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much the most accurate way to to look at it because the devil's lead did not last uh, too terribly long because as is grown accustomed, and Steven knows this, and everybody who listens to this knows where I'm going with this, the Devils proceeded to give up a goal with less than two seconds to go in the period thanks to a tremendous penalty that was uh, taken by Eric Halla and Johnny Gaudreau, of all people, because it had to be Johnny Gaudreau, scored on a rebound, getting just his 15th of the year, and uh, yeah, so the Devils ended up going into the locker room one-to-one, and I was, I was sitting there very pissed off because it was, number one, Eric Halla drives me up the freaking wall like you can't believe. And second of all, this is the worst statistical power play in the NHL that we conceded a goal to. And although our power play at home, I mean, our penalty kill at home has gotten a lot better, our penalty kill has gotten worse on the road. So it's almost like we're doing a complete flip where we're having a lot more success at home but not as much success on the road. But like, again, Steven, just such a killer that we consistently are giving up these last second goals in the the end of periods. It's such a deflating feeling because going into the locker room, thinking you're going to be up one, nothing. 
All right, we got a little bit time to kill on this PK, you know, when we get back after the break. But then now it's like, okay, now it's tied, and we gave up a goal with less than two seconds left. And now it's, you know, this is a tie game instead of being up, getting rested, because, you know, as everybody knows, that penalty kill is exhausting for those four people that are out there. And then if they get that 20-minute intermission to regroup, refocus, but now it's, okay, everybody's going to be out there when we drop the puck to begin the second and it's a tie game. And, you know, we let in a, a penalty kill goal to, as you said, one of the worst power play teams in the league. Yeah. And it was really just a very unfortunate way to end the period. And you just, you kind of left that first period with kind of sour taste in your mouth, but the devils came out of the locker room, particularly Jesper Brett and just seven seconds into the period, just like he had scored against Edmonton way back uh, when we were on that winning streak, he scores seven seconds in Almost like the same move that he made in the shootout against Minnesota a few days earlier. He gets one past Merz Lickens to get his 21st of the year. Marino and Graves, who were actually paired for this game, which was actually kind of an interesting uh, pairing, uh, got assists. But the Devils grabbed the lead back seven seconds in. And you're thinking, okay, maybe now the Devils will wake up. You know, they got off to a good start in the period. You know, great start to the period. Everything's fine. And then a couple minutes later, about... Four minutes later, a little more than that, Adam Boquist, again, as only, you know, the Devils would do, uh, would score his first goal of the season as he just sniped one pretty close to the blue line um, that somehow fooled Vitek Vanacek. And I said this last night when I was doing my live recap with a couple people, I said, to be honest with you, that goal kind of looked like something that Mackenzie Blackwood of years past would have given up. Like it's just a very soft goal that I'm sure VTech would have had, would have liked to have had back. Yeah. And like Danico said, it looked like Patrick Line was out there, but you know, it's Jesper Boatquist's little brother from the blue line, just shooting a shot that nobody on that team should be shooting, especially him. And it goes in and, you know, like we've said about the first period, now it's a tie game in the most unpredictable circumstances, and where do you go from here? Yeah, and and obviously Adam Boquist having a day against his older brother, an assist on the Goudreau goal, and now he gets the second goal and ties it up at one. And that's where things stood for the longest, longest period of time. Both teams had some good chances. I would say probably Columbus had better of the chances. The Devils had almost, I think they had over close to 80 shot attempts in the game overall. You know, three quarters of them didn't even hit the net, whether it was blocked or just quite frankly couldn't get it on net. You got to give Columbus credit for really clogging up those shooting lanes. But as the third period progressed, Stephen, you you, you kind of had the sense, once again, we were going to have to go to overtime, maybe even have to go to a shootout. Like it was just, it looked like once again, we needed extra hockey. And it was about 10 seconds to go in the third period. I'm kind of getting ready to tweet out like, oh, this game's going overtime. Like I'm literally tweeting it out. I look up, Andre Palat's in the offensive zone. He dumps it off to McLeod, who just came off the bench. And he dekes his way from his backhand to his forehand. I'm screaming at the TV, shoot it, shoot it. He kind of flutters one on net. And somehow, some way, Ryan Graves, who comes all the way up in the play, in the scramble, kind of taps one off the shin 
or knee of a blue jacket and ends up in the back of the net with 1.4 remaining in the third period. And the Devils somehow get the win in regulation, holding on, well, not even really holding on, but snatching, I guess, a draw from, a win from the draws of, jaws of what? A draw? I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But nonetheless, the Devils found a way to get the victory. Ryan Graves' sixth goal of the year and his first career game-winning goal in the NHL. And uh, Stephen, your your thoughts and your feelings on those last 10 seconds of that game. So, like you were saying, you were fully prepared for this game to go into overtime, as was I. Um, and probably like a majority of Devils fans, whenever I see Michael McLeod in the offensive zone, with the puck and then especially going that close to the goalie, it's either, okay, he's going to just absolutely demolish the goalie because he doesn't really know what he's doing out there (laughs) or somehow there's an offensive penalty and this great opportunity is gone. And then I see Ryan Graves in the offensive zone, which is one of the points I was, I want to bring up with you later on. And I see that happen and I go, okay, this is certain disaster. And then I see the Devils walking away from the net with time left on the clock. And I was like, I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't think it should have, but it happened. And I think they're going to win. And that's exactly what happened. And, and people kind of missed this, but somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody on the Blue Jackets bench, I think broke like all three of their sticks after we had scored. It, their, uh, Devils.report on Instagram shared it on their story um yesterday well it'll be yesterday but earlier today he kind of shared it that somebody was on the blue jackets was understandably so incredibly pissed off that the devils had scored with little over a second to go in the game but the devils snatch victory from the jaws of defeat slash mid and end up improving their record to 35-13-5. They get their first win in Columbus since 2017. So thank goodness that streak is over, at least for now. The Devils have had some of the least amount of success against Columbus since they moved, since Columbus moved to the Eastern Conference. But the Devils got the win as they get themselves to a 2-0-0 record against Columbus and now have 75 75 points on the season at the time of this recording, 35-13-5, three points behind Carolina and five points ahead of the Rangers for second place. So there's a couple of quick stats that I wanted to kind of, you know, show to you, uh, Stephen, as well as our listeners here today is that from a former guest of our CJ Totoro, he says the Devils have the most points in the NHL in the calendar year 2023, they are 12-2-3 in that time, giving them a league-leading 27 standing points, despite the lack of consistent, like, really good play. Devils also have points in 13 of their last 14-11-1-2, and all three, and all of the last three games without Jack Hughes, who is uh, still dealing with an upper body injury. Vitek Vanacek. His point streak continues to 12 games as he's now 11-0-1 in that span. The Devils are 3-0-1 so far this month and are 11-1-2, as I mentioned before, since January 7, 2023. And the last major, major stat was the Devils once again made some NHL history 
to become the first team in NHL history to record 20 road wins in 26 games, eclipsing the Capitals, who reached that mark in 27 games twice in 2019-20 and 2015-2016. But overall, the Devils, most importantly, found a way to get a win, even when they weren't playing well. And uh, Stephen, I, I think it's fair to say we're kind of running out of words to describe this Devils team at this point. I ran out of ways to describe them positively in like mid-October. And that's when the season began because, you know, nobody had any expectations. And then they do what they do for the amount of time that they did. It was very similar to anybody out there who's a New York Mets fan like I am. It You just run out of ways to describe the team. And then they actually do good like the Mets did for a large majority of last season. And you just can't believe it. You just really have to watch in awe and just appreciate the greatness that you're witnessing and try not to label it. Absolutely. And that's kind of where we are with the Devils right now here into mid-February. I mean, we're right in the thick of everything. Top five in the NHL, top two in the Metropolitan Division. We're just right there with the what they would call elite teams in NHL. And for Devils fans, it's definitely a weird feeling to be this late in the season and still very much there. And I, I said it. I said this way back at the beginning of the year. You have to come back to me at this time for me to believe that this team is for real. And I feel like now I can comfortably say that this team is for real because they just continue to find ways to pull out these wins, whether they're blowing them out, coming from behind, you know, scoring late, scoring in overtime, you know, shootout to an extent. All these different ways, and they just continue to rack up the points, rack up the W's, and uh, they are 1-0-1 so far in this road trip, so the road trip's off to a very solid start. Now, Stephen, you wanted to talk to me and to the listeners a little bit about your evaluation of the Devils' defense as of late, so I wanted to give you the floor for that. So, I mean, everything is made about Dougie Hamilton on offense that, you know, he's more than adequate on offense, his defense lacks, blah, blah, blah. And then you could say the other five, you know, six, seven, where if Kevin Ball's playing, whoever else is, you know, that sixth defenseman. But what's just really bothered me is the Kale McCarrification of defensemen in the NHL. And the Devils, I feel like it's just very prevalent because, you know, I watch them every night mm-hmm. and, you know, I keep uh, an eye on things that they do, maybe more so than other teams. And with Luke Hughes literally just minutes away, it feels like breathing down the necks of current Devils. Mm-hmm. And he's very gifted on offense. I hate this, especially Damon Severson, not just because I can't stand the guy and wait until he's gone. But <laughs> our defensemen need to stop rushing the offensive zone. It mm. is just the absolute worst. Like I said, Damon Severson is just, I don't know if he does it the most or the worst, the best, however you want to put it. He's not good at it. It makes me insane. And like the goal that Ryan Graves scored last night, I understand in that case, there's less than two seconds. Nothing bad will happen from it. And in this case, you know, it worked out. But I don't want to see Damon Severson all the way in front of the net. You're not good at offense. You're not going to be a net front presence in any way. So just stay, you know, back towards the blue line. I get it. You can shoot kind of last night. He had a bunch of opportunities, just absolutely terrible. You know, when you immediately hear glass upon your shot, that it wasn't good. 
Right. John Marino, like I said, has a shot. Ryan Grace has surprised some people. He's got a couple goals here and there. Mm-hmm. Segan Stallers, okay. Kevin Ball, he had a, what a like a four point streak when he was consistently playing. Yeah. Dougie Hamilton's the only defenseman I really want with the puck in the offensive zone, and he's the only one that I think could pose like a Kel McCarr presence. And even I love Dougie Hamilton, but I am not comparing him to Kel McCarr in the slightest on right. offense, on defense. But he's the yeah. only one that I would want having a type role like that. I think that's a pretty good and fair evaluation of the defense because I think it, a lot of it has to do with the system that has been in, that has been implemented with Lindy Ruff and maybe even Andrew Burnett to an extent where they definitely have the defensemen come up a lot more and be another set of forwards where all of a sudden we're having five forwards. So it seems like a lot of the time that we are focusing a lot on just really, really being offensive and then forgetting the defensive stuff. And that leads to a lot of those two-on-ones or just odd man rushes coming back the other way so consistently. And uh, I don't know if the Devils are stubborn in the sense that they don't want to take a chance of maybe telling the defenseman to back up. You know, a lot more, I preferably would like to see that happen more. Like, I'm not a fan of seeing like Jonas Siegenthaler all the way up in the left corner in the offensive zone, he takes like a soft shot and then has to try to hustle his, you know, hustle his bustle back, you know, on defense to, to prevent a, you know, two on one going the other way. Um, I just don't think the way that it's set up is uh, good for, you know, once we get into the playoffs, maybe things will change. I'm not sure. Uh, but I can definitely see where you're coming from, from Dougie offensively. I will say that Dougie Hamilton drives me nuts defensively because at times he looks kind of lazy on defense. Like I'm not saying he's playing lazy, but it just kind of, that's kind of the feeling that I get watching him play defense. Um, and then as far as everyone else, I mean, Severson, again, has just continuously been a curious case for me. I don't know what to make of him in terms of like long-term fit. I don't expect him personally to be back after this season. And I would wonder if his name's going to be mentioned a lot more as we get close to the deadline. I know that it's been reported that he's been made available at the deadline, but we'll see you know, how things progress with that. Yeah, I just I loved Damon Severson for a really long time too. So I don't want this to come across as some, you know, just bitter this whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, he's just really rubbed me the wrong way and I'm sure you remember like the whole does he does he not have a burner thing and that was just very funny. I, he's just like I know he's not a part of this future team's plans. So anything he does is under that much more of a microscope to me. Right. But him in particular, just and like you said, Siegenthaler, I don't, I don't need to see you in the offensive zone, man. Like I get it, you're you're good on defense. I don't, I don't want you crashing the nets, you know, with Nico and Palat and Brat. You can stay back. Like they got this, man. That's why we pay them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we'll see how how things, you know, progress. I I, I kind of wonder if because the Devils are still finding ways to win that. They don't feel that they have to make these adjustments, but it is something of a concern that the whole team itself is not playing at the same type of level. And I think a lot of it, in my opinion, has to do with the Devils have been kind of figured out by a lot of teams that they face. A lot of teams now understand how the Devils play. And now it's up to the coaching staff to try to find new ways to create that same level of of success we saw in October and in November um, and then very early December, uh, which they certainly can. 
but sometimes it does feel like they need a boost. And that kind of brings me to my next talking point with you, Stephen, is talking about trade rumors, the trade deadline, all of that good stuff, because the Devils uh, are in some pretty heavy talks, uh, especially with one guy, and that's Timo Meyer. Um, according to uh, Elliot Friedman, the Devils have been picking up talks over the last couple of days with San Jose, and they've reportedly said to San Jose, before you make a deal with anyone else, give us one more chance to up the offer. So clearly it sounds like the Devils are like, we want to get Timo Meyer by hook or by crook. And maybe getting Timo Meyer as sooner rather than later will jolt this team overall, especially with um, with Jack Hughes on the mend, at least for now. Yeah, and I, it seems like every other day the report with Meyer switches. I have no idea what it'll take. I have no idea where he's going. I really feel like he wants to be in New Jersey. That's, you know, a report from yesterday. So tomorrow it'll be like, no, he actually hates the state. I just, it's so weird. I can see the obvious fit with this team and it feels like it would work well. Mm -hmm. Obviously a lot's been made with, you know, his potential connection with Nico and Siegenthaler. But it's, at what point is San Jose just, using us as leverage and it, it's just really weird. And I hope that if the Timo Meyer thing doesn't work out, I hope that this doesn't become a so late in the game that, you know, we're stuck getting a TJ Oshie huge contract, not mm. as good, just, you know, somebody to say that we got somebody type deal. Yeah, it definitely is frustrating when you feel like things are just constantly like, in the wind, you know, we don't really know where things are. We don't officially, we don't legitimately know where things stand with, with a deal. Like I I'm sure that's the same way with maybe to a lesser extent, like Arizona Coyotes fans, like they're still trying to figure out what the hell's happening to Jacob Chickering. Like he's been out the last couple of games because, because of trade purposes and things like that. And we thought he was going to get traded to LA and then it ended up not being the case. And now Toronto's not involved. Like any of the teams that were obviously involved with Chickering are now no longer involved. So what the hell is going on? Like this is kind of the same thing. The only difference is that Timo Meyer's still playing. So they're not really trying. So the Sharks are not really trying to sit Meyer and, you know, wait this out until they get a deal done. I don't, the, the Sharks have not allowed Claude Lemieux, former uh, New Jersey devil, great and current um, agent of Timo Meyer to talk to anybody um, about an extension or about anything. So I, I'm, I'm assuming the Sharks front office with Mike Greer, who's interestingly enough, a former assistant coach with the Devils when John Hines was here. Um, I don't know if they're just really trying to wait till they get the last best offer, but I personally feel like that now Tarasenko um, and Bo Horvat are off the table now because they've been moved, that it's much more easier for the Sharks to sit around and wait till the last minute to make a deal with anybody they make a deal with. I've just said before, and I don't know if you would agree, Stephen, that the Devils, quite frankly, all own the best assets that the Sharks could ask for. Yeah, I haven't seen an offer that the Sharks would get from a different team that is comparable to what the devils are prepared to give up. And it's not even like a, Oh, if San Jose wants every, like the legitimate offers, whatever you want to call them 
that New like New Jersey will give up. They're not these hypotheticals. We know that you know Tom Fitzgerald will deal these people if he has to to get Timo Meyer, and those seem better than what other teams perfect trade to get Timo Meyer would be. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is that when you when we've heard constantly about the teams that are involved, the only one that has been consistent when it comes to getting an extension as well is the Devils, which makes it which would make it more interesting for San Jose because then they can up the price because they're saying, "All right, we're giving you Timo and the ability to also then sign him to a long-term deal." Which then the Devils I'm sure would be much more willing to make a deal like that to give up more if it means that Timo has a con a long-term contract with him as he comes here. That's kind of, I think the way it is, but I I'm kind of, I'm with you, Steven, when you said we don't want to be in a situation where we're at the last minute and the sharks just say no to us. And then we're left with literally nothing because then it would feel like we just got let on for weeks without getting a deal done. That's why I think you're hearing the Devils involved in other deals. I know they talked about Brock Besser. I just, I don't like the contract personally with him. So I can't see that being a, a great move by the Devils. Uh, people have mentioned in a very, very, you know, light, and this was before, you know, Patrick Kane made this available or made whatever teams he wanted to go to. But I know some people mentioned Maybe the Devils would, would look into Patrick Kane, but it doesn't sound like he wants to come here. Um, I think it's Toronto and the Rangers, which doesn't shock me uh, one bit. Yeah, that, that's like saying that, you know, uh, you know, if I could go anywhere in the world, I would pick like Paris or Italy. Like, yeah, of course you say that, dude, but, you know, the, you got to taper your expectations here a little bit. Well, and the Rangers weren't willing to wait around for Patrick Kane and everything like, and also the the injury history is a concern and everything like that. And then you're hearing the Devils, you know, involved in deals that 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 are involved in bottom six guys. I know uh, Ivan Barbashev has been mentioned, Luke Shen on the back end, which I think would actually be a pretty nice pickup if the Devils could make a move. Um, but clearly, the Devils' main target is getting Timo Meyer. Um, and going from there. And I, I just I just would like to hope that Tom Fitzgerald doesn't sit around over the next two weeks and really waits around for this guy that may not come here because the Sharks just choose not to send him here. And we don't know if the report about Timo really wants to come here and he'll come here regardless is fully factual or not because we've only heard it from one source. We have not heard it from multiple people. But it is something. It is something interesting. So I, I guess we'll see. But I think bottom line is is that it's not a to me. It's not a matter of if Timo Meyer gets traded. I think it's a matter of when at this point. And it's you know same thing on the flip side though for San Jose. They could be getting all these offers, but then what if everybody else goes that you know if it's oh you know they're not going to take Timo Meyer. We got to get somebody. Eventually, like prospects and picks are going to run out. Mm -hmm. People are going to get who they want to get. I don't see a situation where San Jose is stuck with him until he inevitably leaves in free agency. But there's like a possibility that they could just get all these offers and think, oh, my God, we could have anything in the world and then get absolutely nothing on him. And he just leaves. Right. Yeah. So. Bottom line, as it's been the last couple of episodes when I've asked people about the Timo Meyer situation, it's just a matter of sitting around and waiting. I think that's basically where we're at at this point. I mean, there's no, there's nothing 
that has been reported even at this point that hasn't already been reported before. And that the Devils have been one of the most, if not the most consistent team involved. And we're hoping that maybe with the talks picking up over the last couple of days, that maybe something is much more in the works than we're being told. But again, I guess we'll see. Um, Steven, just before I let you go, man, my last thing to you is this. What are you looking for? Like, what are you keeping your eye on with this Devils team moving forward as we get closer and closer uh, to the end of the year and obviously getting into the playoffs? I want to see the third line. Like, I want to know what the third line is going to be. And I want to know when Jack Hughes comes back, I want to know who will be playing with. Obviously, left and right wing is asking a bit much. I want to know, like, one winger that's going to play with Jack Hughes throughout the regular season in the playoffs. Same with the third line. I just want to know who's – I. this whole Zetterlind can go from the first line to the fourth line. Like, Right. Give him a spot. Let him play. If Holtz is going to be on the team, let him play. Don't do this mm. like three games on the second line, then not playing. I just want to know who we have, where they're going to be. I understand it's a very fluid game. People are going to move. That's natural. But I just want to have a general idea of who we have and where they're going to be playing. And particularly with Holtz, you know, it's really kind of a question mark at this point of how, of like, why are the Devils handling the situation with him the way that they are? Some people have speculated it has to do with trade purposes, which is possible, but it's not like he's not playing because he's officially waiting to be traded. I think it's, it, it, there's a lot of things with the Holtz situation that quite frankly don't make a lot of sense. Um, and so again, with him, uh, which kind of in conjunction potentially with the Timo Myers situation, I guess we have to just continue to uh, wait and see. But Steven, man, this was absolutely phenomenal that you came on. Uh, we really appreciate it. But before I let you go, because I do this with all my guests, I'd like to roll out the red carpet and kind of give you the floor to uh, let the people at home know where they can follow you and check you out on social media and anything else you got going on uh, in the world. So my friend, the floor is yours. Uh, I appreciate it, Neil. It's always a pleasure talking to you, whether it's here, whether it's on Instagram. You know, we've had you on the podcast before, and you were one of our favorite guests by far. Uh, so I appreciate it right back. Uh, mainly, you know, imagine on the puck wave, our Instagram, <laughs> what you would want, just the lowest quality memes, a moderate amount of highlights, things that you wish you didn't see, but once you saw, you're like, okay, I kind of like that. Like that's my sweet spot. I like posting the things that, like I said, people don't ever want to see, but then they see it and they're like, eh, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, it's bottom of the barrel, but in the best kind of way. And I just love bringing the game that a lot of us love to people all around the place. Awesome, man. Well, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely tag you on the episode and, uh, We'll, uh, we'll help you get a bunch more followers uh, on the pod on the podcast and on the page, man. But, uh, Stephen, man, this was great. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely have you on the podcast uh, again soon. But thank you for your time today, man. Not a problem. I appreciate it, Neil. Devils fans, I got to tell you something, honestly. This time of the year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good. But most of the time, 
pretty unrealistic. And the typical ones, especially for me personally, is, you know, going to the gym consistently and doing things like working out four or five times a week, you know, all those unrealistic type of expectations that we all know usually never last very long. I've actually found one, though, that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact in the same way you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycon earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Some of the things that I really love to do using my earbuds is when I do intense workouts at the gym or if I'm just, you know, on the move somewhere. And especially when I'm on the go and I'm relaxing on the train or the bus or everything, just all the features that Raycon gets to give you the most comfortable and also the best type of quality at a very, very reasonable price. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon has definitely got you covered. And yet, Raycon start at a half the price of other premium audio. So you don't even have to choose between products. You could get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some of the other guys. And I have multiple. So for me, I have ones that I use at home. I have ones that I use on the go and they all work the same way. And it's tremendous, especially knowing that not only are they premium audio, but I'm paying a lot less for them. And that is great. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now or pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. There's also a handful of really awesome features, and the two that really stand out to me are noise isolation, especially if you're using them to try to study or try to focus on something and you don't really want to be bugged. You know, the noise cancellation is great. I also really love the custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit. You know, you can shake your head around and everything like that and they won't fall out and you don't have to worry about that which is awesome i also love the water and sweat resistant especially like i mentioned before when you're at the gym so honestly this is all tremendous what what, what raycon has to offer and if you're ready to buy something small with a big impact you go to buyraycon.com slash thpn today to get 15 percent off your raycon order that's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN.